Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, Pels fans. Today's episode of The Bird Calls is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink but without the vowels. That's S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. You are listening to the Bird Calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. I am your host, David Grubb, and joining me today are Kevin Barrios, Jamal Dunn, and our editor-in-chief at thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Um, today we have convened because it's trade season. That's what folks want to talk about. That's what folks want to speculate about. I hate trade season, um, but we have to talk about it. So, guys, um, we are coming together for this one to talk big trade ideas. If the Pelicans wanted to swing for the fences this season, try to make a major deal um, in a vacuum, because we're assuming, again, with a lot of this, that um, other teams don't exist uh, to compete with you for these deals. But we're going to present our ideas to the audience, uh, and we've all put our thoughts together um, and and come up with something. First, let's go around like this. Jamal, let's start with you. The whole exercise of trying to fix the Pelicans. What is the most difficult part for your brain to wrap around when you're trying to decide if you're going to swing for the fences, what type of swing are you trying to make? Uh, well, for me, it's is is Zion in or out, right? And he, he's, he's got his injury, and, you know, I'm you know, it's a real injury, but, you know, there is still the question of, is he really uh, bought in for the long term? And maybe he is. And cause we're not there. Well, some of you guys are, but I, I'm certainly not there every day. So I don't know. And I've heard that he gets along well with everybody, at least, you know, um, you know, when people see, see the team together in practice, but you know, if he's really just injured and, you know, and he's just not the type to talk to the media when he's injured, then fine, you know, come come back and you can build around him. And then that kind of informs the type of trade that you can make, right? You're making a, a, a trade for hopefully an impact guy who can fit with Zion and complement Zion and, and vice versa. Whereas if, if, if the organization, and only they can really know this, if the organization feels like this may not work out long term, um, and in the NBA, whenever I say long-term, I three years is long-term in my mind in the NBA. So this is not going to work out long-term. So we're going to have to make a move. And that opens it up to a lot more possibilities um, because you're no longer trying to build around Zion. You're trying to build around Ingram, Herb Jones, some of the, some of the, uh, some of the guys who, who you expect to be here for a long-term. So for me, the biggest linchpin is, is Zion um, – long for the Pels or not. If not, um, that opens up a lot more avenues. Uh, if so, you, know, you can still make something happen, but it's just going to be a different style. And you may have to approach it differently because you may have to approach Zion as a player who just won't ever play 80 games, right? That he might just be a 60-game player. So, you know, Zion is, is obviously the, the biggest linchpin for me. Ali, um <clears throat> Uh, let me ask you this, this then. Um, are you looking for 
if you're David Griffin and you're in this situation, are you looking for the best possible talent that you can find for this team? Or are you looking for a talent that serves specific purposes when you're thinking about making a major deal? Well, I think you've got to be choosing the latter because the Pelicans aren't starting from the ground up. It's not some kind of rebuild. There's not question marks as to several positions and such. So you don't want to necessarily swing the fence for any guy that possibly becomes available. And I think that's why you should even be choosy amongst the guards that could be available. And that's been the most frequent names out there in the trade rumors. So yeah, you've got to get somebody that's going to work with Brandon Ingram. And hopefully, I mean, the plan should still be with, of course, with Zion Williamson. And then you look at the rest of the roster because you know, right? Jonas Valanciunas is pretty much set. Um, Herb Jones, same thing. So right there, you're talking about four guys that are really starters. So you kind of you would prefer to find a piece that honestly fits with them. Even though I know the hope is Devontae Graham was always going to be the guy that could fit with Zion in the starting lineup, right? His weaknesses would be minimized, but we know from after watching him that he's still better suited off the bench. So I'm looking strictly at a guard, and um, that that that's really just the way I, th- I think that David Griffin should be approaching it too. Kevin, um, to get, you got to give. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the Pelicans roster, there are not a lot of great expiring contracts. There are some manageable contracts, but not ones that roll over um, individually very easily to pull back major salary. Um, the Pelicans are going to have to put together a package. With that in mind, how many people can really be untouchable if you're trying to make a big deal? I think really um, Ingram and I would say, you know, Ingram, Herb Jones, just because of the value of that contract and what he brings and his versatility. And I would put an asterisk next to Valanchunas just because um, if you were upgrading the front court to and getting multiple pieces back, I can see an avenue where you can move him and have a good front court player and then also provide that backcourt player. But those three guys are the main things that I, I would uh, try to keep intact, honestly, because I'm very happy with the way that front line is playing. And I, I feel like that's something that you can rely on day in and day out. Um, and, you know, I think we have two guys putting up all-star numbers. We have a guy that's going to be an all-rookie team is already in conversations for all uh, defensive team. So I think those three guys are, are, are the cornerstones. You know, obviously we talked about Zion. Everybody knows about Zion. And just to touch on a little bit of what Jamal said, I feel like whatever move you're making, you have to make the move sort of regardless of Zion individually, whether he's in the fold or not, because, you know, we think he's probably going to miss games here and there. But also, you saw what he did on a roster that wasn't built to his needs. He was still the most efficient scorer in the NBA. He's an incredible talent. So you don't really necessarily have to worry about making him even better than he was already. I think you need to worry about the other guys on the roster and then see what happens with Zion anyway. So I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, this offseason, we've tried to build a team with Zion in mind, and it hasn't 100% worked out. I mean, obviously, you see how Jonas and Herb fit, and Josh Hart's elevated his game, but we still don't have a point guard that can elevate this team and elevate this bench. So I would build more towards team than trying to improve what is already an incredible, you know, top five potential player in this league that puts together historical numbers, even when the roster doesn't suit him. I think the biggest caveat for all of this is the fact that the Pelicans don't, um, you know, really have, you know, have that much. They are not in a position of power right now um, when it comes to what they offer. Um, When you look at Kyra being injured, um, Nikhil having regressed, Jackson being uh, iffy, their value isn't as high as it would have been this past off season. Um, and then guys like Sadoransky, you know, decent expiring deal. So the Pelicans are in a very tough position being 12th in the West, having to deal with a number of teams that do feel like they have enough or can add another piece themselves 
to get into the postseason and just satisfy their fan base in that regard. Um, and then there are teams that have better pieces, just personnel-wise, uh, to go shopping with. So the Pelicans, even in this, and I, I think that we all agree um, kind of that a big move is is kind of unlikely, even if it is even if it, if it is possible, it's a highly unlikely. But even with that, the Pelicans are not in a very favorable position, I think, going into this. Um, do any of you have any uh, thoughts on that? No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be said that the Pelicans are far from the only buyer out there, right? I hope that people that are just kind of casual fans who listen to our podcast understand that. So if you hear a name out there and you wonder why David Griffin perhaps doesn't end up landing him before this trade deadline, probably won't be for the lack of trying, especially if you just think back to this past offseason and all the guys they chased, like from Kyle Lowry to Tim Hardaway Jr. There was a ton of guys they chased, but they just couldn't get it's just it's 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 very difficult for them to walk into the trade market and say we have a lot of jewels to show off. Yes. Just don't. Everything yep. for them is hopeful. The draft picks that the Pelicans have are hopeful. The players that they have that they are offering to you are hopeful. Um, outside of if you're putting Jonas, like Kevin said, if you're offering Jonas on the block, um, then you're saying then. You know, that's a more real piece, but you have to give something up then. You are really you're really in that position. So I think that's when we're, when we're talking about this and as fans go in and think about this as we get closer to the deadline and you don't see the Pelicans' names particularly attached to some of these big names, this is why. This is why. There's just a not enough on the on the tree to go out there and offer to, to teams to tempt them, I think. But yeah, the, the yeah, Pelicans' problem. Yeah, the Pelicans problem is they only have like four or five good players. Like, and by good I mean obviously everybody in the NBA is amazing, but good by good I mean any team in the NBA would want them, right? Ingram, Valanciunas, uh, Herb Jones, um, Josh Hart. You know, any team would want them. You know, for certain roles on on their team. Beyond, but the Pelicans can't trade them because they need them, right? So if they trade one you know, really good player for another really good player, you know, maybe he's a better fit. And so there's some synergy that you can get, you can gain, but overall, you know, more than likely you're you're not moving a needle too much because um, you'd have to give up something valuable and and indispensable to your own team to get something that would be interesting. So no, they're not in the best position right now. Um, but who knows? You know, it may look different in the offseason, but, you know, that's another conversation. All right. Let's start with um, the first trade I did. We'll start with, our, with with the big man, with Ali, because he's got it. You got a team in mind here in Indiana that has publicly flirted, at least with the idea of giving having a fire sale, which means that there could be some talented players up for grabs. So, Ali, uh, we'll start with you and, and the Indiana Pacers. Yes, I feel like we've been talking about the Pacers as a trade partner going all the way back to our AD trade scenarios, right? I mean, they've always been in our conversations, and rightfully so. They haven't really – their talent has never come together, and they've taken off in the Eastern Conference. So now it definitely seems like at least one, maybe two of their pieces will be going, and Malcolm Brogdon cannot be one of them, not at least until the next offseason because of the extension he traded. But Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, and the guy I've circled, Karis LeVert, are very much up for grabs. And I feel like Levert, to me, is the best choice out there that seems plausible that may be up on the uh, trade market. And, you know, just look at the package. I'll just jump right into it. You know, he's only making about $17.5, million a year. Same kind of money, just a little bit more for next year. So you're not just trading for a guy that's going to be needing a new contract this summer. Um, and to make the money work, is really easy for the Pelicans, right? You use Thomas Sadoransky's expiring $10 million uh, remaining year of his contract. And I think you package up Jackson Hayes. Of course, you would like to have had Hayes add a little bit more luster. Uh, you just got done talking about that, David. But I still think he has enough. And especially for an Indiana team where they're really seeking to move off of Miles Turner. So you know Rick Carlisle's a coach there, and he sure as hell probably enjoyed having – Tyson Chandler, when he brought a championship to Dallas with Dirk Nowitzki. 
So Jackson could be maybe their project. Maybe they feel like that they could honestly accelerate his, uh, you know, adjustments to the uh, league and, and just become a bigger factor and get a lot more out of them. So, of course, you send those two pieces out. That makes the money work. And you still got, of course, add some draft capital. Well, according to, um, I think it was Mike Scioto, that he said that all Indiana's looking for in Levert is, is a good, decently good young player and a good first-round pick. So Jackson Hayes may qualify. If he does, great. If not, then maybe you have to add something besides a first-round pick going out of your Pelicans. But I feel like it's possible. It's entirely doable from the standpoint of the Pelicans' assets without, of course, having to you know, dive into maybe somebody they want to keep, like the four or five guys that Jamal mentioned or maybe even a Trey Murphy. You get to keep all those guys, but you add Karis LeVert, who I think would fit like a glove here. I'll, I'll just quickly run through this since we're mm-hmm. doing this. Um, Karis LeVert, he's more of a scorer, but he's also more of a two-way player than I think a lot of guys at the Pelicans could grab. I feel like, first of all, he, he, he knows this front office. He has a great connection with Trajan Langdon. He has a gr- he's known as having a great character, right? One of the guys that works to death on his game is a great locker room guy. And that's what the Pelicans need. They've got to avoid another whole Eric Bledsoe type of scenario where they trade for somebody. And he doesn't really want to be here. I don't think that would be the case with Levert at all because there's that familiarity with the front office. Plus, he'd be given a really nice role. And I like his game where it would fit with Willie Green's style to where he wants to have that quick popping .5 type of offense. And Levert would provide that. I think along with Brandon Ingram, those two could be a heck of a one-two punch out there to when if and when Zahn comes back. Um, he can facilitate. He can move off the ball. I like his defense. He, he can basically do a little bit of everything. And since December 3rd, he's really even played better than Brandon Ingram, right? We've been talking about how B.I.'s pretty much put up all-star numbers. Well, Lavert's been right there. He's averaging since that date, I said, December 3rd, 23 points a game. And he's shooting 48% from the field, 39% from three, over 80% from the free throw line to where he gets to regularly. Gets you about four to five rebounds, averages over five assists a game. Pretty good low turnovers. So he just seems like the perfect fit where he wouldn't, you know, disrupt, right, what the Pelicans are trying to do in terms of B.I. still being the guy, making sure Valanciunas gets his touches and such. So I just think he's such a quality player. And, of course, the biggest negative with him, guys, everybody knows it, it's his propensity for injury. But I think if anybody could honestly help him at least limit them somewhat, it would be Aaron Nelson. Don't look at Zion, guys, and how much times he missed. Look at everybody else besides Zion. Since the start of last year, Pelicans have been one of the healthiest teams out there. And I think Aaron Nelson will be able to do worlds with Karis LeVert, too. Ollie, I really like that. And um, I'm going to pass the feedback on in just a second. But um, I'm going to just give my first thought off the top is, number one, it kind of balances your lineup a bit because it sends Josh Hart to your second unit. Mm-hmm. Um which gives you someone who you know can be effective instead of having to rely on Nikhil uh, in that position. Uh, Hart can give you tempo on that second unit. And like you said, Levert gives you a little more length um, up top defensively um, with Herb allowing you to switch uh, at at the two and the three and the four spots uh, defensively, which which is very interesting there. And then, like you said, he's a guy who's capable, we know in this league, of putting up 40 or 50 points in a game. So, and the Pelicans don't have anybody else on their roster right now, besides Brandon Ingram, who still hasn't scored 50 in a game in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. Has So, I mean, like, you know, you, you need more scoring. We know that. So that's my initial thought. Jamal, I'll, I'll let you give yours. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, Levert. Now I do like Levert. I'm not the biggest fan for him for the Pelicans. Uh, but if that, for, for that price, basically Jackson Hayes in a first. So you're taking a player who, you know, for whatever he might turn into in, you know, some multiverse, um, you know, for what he's giving you right now, if you can turn that into a legitimate NBA score on a team that needs scoring. Um, and, and we talk about him, you know, how he fits with Ingram, but I think you probably maybe even stagger him with the bench a little bit um, to help them out. Right. Because that's, that's, really where the Pels tend to fall off. So he would definitely help. And for that price, I mean, that's a bargain in my opinion. Um, you know, if you can just give up a first and, and Jackson Hayes, who wasn't really helping you anyway, 
um, I, I can't really argue against it, even though it's not my favorite. Kev? Yeah, um, I got a couple of thoughts. First off, I feel like uh, Tyson Chandler's knees are rolling over in their grave right now. And I hope you guys heard the ambulance coming by my house just now when uh, when Ollie was talking about Karis LeVert. That's not uh, right. My, uh, I love Karis LeVert in a vacuum, <laughs> but more in bubble wrap. Just because, look, I understand what you're saying, Ollie. Uh, and I have a Karis LeVert t-shirt. Like, he was a huge part of that Brooklyn Nets team that was so mm-hmm. fun that I fell in love with. I think he's an incredible player. I really like him. I agree with everything you said about him as a player. I understand the idea of Aaron Nelson uh, keeping this team healthy and all of that. But we are, in 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 the past, I've said that, you know, I feel like having Aaron Nelson here is something that opens us up to getting some of those older veterans to rejuvenate their careers and stuff like that. So I see the potential there. Um, but he is a guy who has been very injury prone and he has really bad knees. And that does very much concern me. Um, I do feel like the price isn't bad. I definitely don't agree with that. Uh, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I, and I wouldn't be mad at the trade. It's not necessarily the trade I would I would make. But when we get to mine at the end, I, I think that you could tie Karis LeVert into my trade, and we'll talk about it then. Um, and then I would be more comfortable with it because right now we started with a bunch of draft picks, but now we're down a bunch of draft picks because of, you know, all all the sort of bad handling of trades and assets over the last couple of years. Um but if we can replenish some of that and then ship it out a little bit that way so we're not so down on them and we still have more to either add youth or add uh, around the edges veterans and stuff that you can grab for a, a pick here and there, um, then I wouldn't mind it as much. But, you know, I, I really do like Karis LeVert a lot as a player, and I definitely wouldn't be mad about him coming in, even at that cost without any other move. But I would still be concerned about his injury issues for sure. I think that's a pretty even-handed approach to it. I mean, I, yeah, it's not a deal that people would like light up um, torches for and say that was the one that's going to change the world. But also at the same time, if it worked out, I think the risk, it's its a low risk. Um, I don't know if it's, if the reward say is, is high, high, um, but you, it's, it would be a good return if it worked out. So I, I think that's generally the idea there. Um, Jamal, let's go to yours. Uh, because I don't know yours. I have we, we Kevin and Ali and I have discussed in general ours for like a while, but I haven't heard yours. So I'm interested to hear who you're targeting here. Yeah, it's like Love Jones, right? It's about the possibility of the thing, right? So, okay. So mine is uh is is one that I haven't heard too many people talk about, but it's my fantasy, uh, which is Toronto, right? So. Um, so when I look at the Zion situation, and again, at the top of it, I said only people who are inside and, and really know what people are thinking um, can tell us if, if, it, if this really just looks weird on the outside, but really it's fine and he's just trying to work back, or if this is something more. So the only big trade I can really see the Pels making to the point of them not having a lot of good big pieces to make a big trade. The only big trade I can see is Zion himself, right? And so my trade is sending Zion to Toronto for Scotty Barnes, which for me is the, the prize of the deal. Scotty Barnes, Fred Van Vliet, um, a 2023 uh, you know, top 10 protected pick and a 2025 lottery protected pick. Um, and so, and you could, if you want to have, well, you could throw, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Gary Clark Jr. in there. He would also, you know, fit into that trade. Um, but the core of the trade for me is Scotty Barnes. And the reason is Scotty Barnes is kind of like a different version of Zion. He's like Zion, <clears throat> less some of the dominance plus defense, right? And so if you had a lineup of Valanciunas, Scotty, uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, Ingram, or I'm sorry, Herb Jones, Ingram, and Fred Van Vliet, you've got defense, toughness, playmaking, shooting, 
passing, basketball intelligence, all that. You bump Josh Hart down to the bench. You bump Devontae Graham down to the bench um, to, to add some punch to, to that unit. Um, and I just think that's a, you know, the Pels come out looking great. And from the, whenever I look at these trades, like do this like, you know, fake trade exercise, I always start from the other team's perspective first, right? And so from a Toronto perspective, we saw Masai already do this, right? First of all, everywhere he's been, you know, Denver and now Toronto, we've seen he can find good, solid role players, right? He can find the team. It's just having the superstar that can get you over the top. And a situation very similar happened with Kawhi, right, where he gets hurt. Nobody thinks it's as serious as it turned out to be. Uh, it gets weird. Nobody knows when he's coming back. The Spurs don't even know when he's coming back. Popovich is giving weird interviews because he doesn't know anything. Kawhi eventually leaves the team. Then, you know, it comes out, oh, I'm not ever coming back. Um, and I want to be traded. Um, and so when Masai made that trade for Kawhi, it wasn't, it was in the dark, so to speak. I'm sure his doctors got to look at everything and all that, but it was in the dark. There was serious concern about, okay, well, maybe they may have made this trade and Kawhi really may just not be able to play or may not be able to play as much as, as, um, as, as, as they'd like. And he may not be healthy enough. Um, this is almost like Kawhi, but the long-term play. Kawhi was a one-year deal because he was going to be unrestricted no matter what after that season. With Zion, he's going to be restricted, and if it's in a good situation, you know, he would be in a, new, uh, in a new organization, in a big market, if that means anything to him. Um, I think Toronto would be a great spot for him from a marketing perspective, and, you know, Canada only having one team. We saw how they rallied around Kawhi. And so it's almost like redoing the Kawhi trade, but with a younger player, um, high risk, right? Because Zion could go the Brandon Roy route, but also high reward because I think Messiah understands that his team, you know, has proven we can find, we can replace a Fred Van Vliet as, as much of a bedrock as he is as a player in that locker room, you know, they can replace that. They can find another role player like that. Okay. Um, well, let's let, Okay. That Kevin, I'm I'm gonna let you throw this one back first because I got a lot of thoughts. I want to hear what you think about this. Well, first <laughs> off, I mean, you you would have to give up more than Zion just to make the money work. So what what are the? I mean, I feel like you have to give up. What, well, you I, just throw in Sadaransky and it makes the money work. Does it I, I with Fred yeah. Van Fleet as well? Okay. Yeah, for Fred Van Fleet and Scotty Barnes, I'd include Gary Clark. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, uh, I didn't go through the particulars, but yeah. That, that's the, the main part of the trade, but yeah, that would make it work. If, How about if sending I, the keel back to Canada too? <laughs> if I'm Toronto, I mean, to be honest, or, oh sorry, go ahead, Jamal. Go ahead, Jamal. Oh no, I was just saying. Uh, to be honest, they could have Graham works. You could do Staderanski. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you want Jackson Hayes, that doesn't make it work by itself. But if you want him, you can have him. <laughs> um, so there's 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 a, a pretty easy path, right? Uh, assuming all all Toronto really would care about. If you're trading Zion, whoever else you're giving up, you've already committed. Doesn't matter. Look, to give, yeah, it, it that second player outside of Ingram and Herb at that point, it doesn't really matter. Gotcha. It, it, once yeah. you made the decision to trade Zion, right? Okay, so I feel like if I'm Toronto, I don't think I make that move. Honestly, I, I think Scotty Barnes is a like a phenomenal talent. I think Fred Van Fleet's really good. I think you put Zion and Pascal Siakam to get an OG Ananobi together, and it's kind of a weird front court. Um, I mean, they could obviously move some other guys to rebuild around that, but I think they're on the verge of something special there with Scotty Barnes, and I don't know if, if I if I'd make that risk again, especially it worked out, per se, because they got a, a championship out of it, but immediately lost uh, the player that brought them there. Um, and so... I don't know. I, I think I would be very skeptical if I was uh, if I was Masai on that deal. Um, as far as the Pelican side, I mean, I think that's to me that's. Uh, you, did you say that that the Raptors would also give us picks as well? Yeah, but they don't have to give it because when I first did the deal, I only had one pick in there, and I was like, it is Zion, though. So I threw a second pick in, mm-hmm. but. To be honest, they didn't wouldn't even have to do the picks. 
Yeah, because I feel like I feel like Scotty Barnes. When you factor in the health risk issues with Zion, the you know the personality stuff, the question marks. You probably about, have to send picks to Toronto. Yeah, you're more likely you'd have to give them a one. With right, Zion. because I, I don't feel like Scotty Barnes is like like way below Zion right now in terms of value. Uh, and then you're also getting Fred Van Vliet, who is like one of the top point guards in the in the Eastern Conference right now. So I think they would just be giving up too much, honestly. Um, but that being said, I'm not opposed. I mean, when we get – I'm not going to really talk much about my trade yet, but, like, I'm not opposed to moving Zion. I talked about that last uh, right. last pod. but and, and I think this would be a pretty good trade for the Pelicans, but I just don't see Toronto doing it, honestly. Mm-hmm. You also, yeah, Masai Mas- Mas- Watt. Go ahead, Jamal. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, you can go ahead. I was going to say Masai would have to first see Zion out there on the court. Um, and it's definitely not going to happen before the trade deadline. So a deal like this, I don't think, yeah, Toronto would even consider until maybe the summer. Um, and then, of course, they would have to have their doctors check them out. But I tell you what, if I'm Masai and, and you feel like the group you've got is good and could possibly be like really good but not championship material, then that's why you would maybe do this trade, right? You grab the Zion because he's that generational town, and then you build around him. And you still have left, what, Pascal Siakam, OG, um, maybe Gary Trent, Precious Achua, right? And then with you your... You have to definitely move one of either Anobi, um, Ananobi or uh, Siakam. Because like you well, yeah, said, Siakam, that's a weird Achua and Zion don't work for me. Yeah. You right. could also include, you could also swap out Van Vliet uh, for Siakam in that trade. Um, the Pels would have to add mm. in another player because because Siakam gets paid a lot. I more. would rather get OG if possible, but yeah, yeah it would have to be OG or Van Fleet for the makeup of the Pels roster yeah. right now. They need somebody that can. I would go for OG. I would go for OG. Yeah, I would go for Fred from, from, Van Fleet personally. I I I, I, yeah. I don't think Toronto gives up Van Fleet because in their backcourt. No, I agree. Have? Right? Yeah, that's why this trade's and so you, hard for both sides. I think. Yeah, Toronto can't give mm. up their backcourt. That's the one thing. Is like. They gotta have somebody back there, but if, if he carries them, if Toronto even would even consider it, it would be because look, when we saw as great as Scotty Barnes has been this year, and he's been really good, he, and he's good in a different way from Zion. So it's that you can't just look at points per game or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, as as good as he's been, when Zion was on the court, like just nobody could deal with him. They mm-hmm. just yeah, he just goes right, right to the basket, and and he he has a little jumper, but he he's like, why would I ever use it? I'm just gonna score seventy percent of the time going to the rack. Um, and as he even as he progresses, he's gonna get even more fouls and all that. So from a size point of view, he could look at that and say, all right, at least what we've seen, we haven't we've only seen a, a few times from a player that young, um, and so you know. It's just like if you go to a car a, to a car dealership, like that's it's a, a distressed asset, right? This 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 car has been in a couple of wrecks, right? So you're gonna have to give me a discount. But you know, if if it works out, then you know I, I have you know, more car than what I thought I was gonna have. And so from their perspective, they may never have a chance to get a player who's who kind of is as good as Zion is good when he's when he's actually on the court. Um, and so exactly. this could be their this could be their shot. That's that's the reason for it, and there's also a, a lot of reasons. Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted to say. That, that's Toronto. Toronto would really that uh, that's a big rationalization for Toronto, uh, like to say because then if you're Toronto, you're saying we're dismantling a lot of this because you you can't but, keep a lot of those guys. I'm, I'm not saying, but it couldn't happen. I'm just saying, no. What for it to happen is if Masai can't just say I'm taking back Zion. And 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 I'm gonna make it work with what I have because you've got to restructure your roster because you already know you need shooting. You already know. Yeah, I'm you saying don't have shooting. But I'm saying yes. But I'm saying I do think the way GMs think about players as assets, right? Um, and looking at something as a distressed asset. Think about this from like the Steph Curry perspective, right? When he had those ankle injuries, right? The Warriors, I think, signed to a $44 million four-year contract. And people thought maybe they overpaid or maybe that was going to become a bad contract because they weren't sure if he was going to stay on the court. 
Now, had you tr- now you could have traded for him at a time. I think the Pels even like had something on the on the proposed. But you couldn't like, sign him to that contract now, though, Jamal. That's the no, thing, no. But the I'm just saying, if you exist. wanted to trade for Steph Curry at any point in his career, it would have had to have been right then. That's when the Warriors were even considering doing something like that. Now, on the other side of it, he became what he became, and so. But what I'm saying is, the upside on Zion is like that. You know, well, not only that, you've got to add this. Zion's a true number one. His usage, yeah. he's already proven himself, right? He can handle as many times as he needs to, and he's efficient. Scotty Barnes is on the other end of the spectrum. Right? Scotty Barnes, we don't know if he's going to become a number one. Um, and, and that's what maybe Toronto would be looking at. If I'm Masai and you don't think you've got a true number one there, and you need one, right, to win a championship, that's why you would maybe make I'm this just, deal. I'm just saying if you're Toronto, you're, that's, that can't be your only move is the only part I'm saying to that. Is that yeah. if if bringing back yeah. Zion, you can't come back to your fan base and say we traded for Zion Williamson, and we're this is what we're doing. You gonna have to do some more for them to make oh, yeah. it make sense. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the deal is not possible. I'm just saying to me, Masai wouldn't be like, well, we got a star. He because he didn't do that with Kawhi. It was like, okay, we got Kawhi, but we also needed Mark Gasol, and we also needed this, and we also got. So it wouldn't be to me. It would have to be a domino move for both teams really um, because it changes some of what you're going to do with the Pelicans because you don't, you do start looking at Trey Murphy different. Like we talked about last time, some of these guys on the bench now where the Pelicans become redundant. If you bring in um, Fred Van Vliet, you don't have to have Fred Van Vliet, Devontae Graham and Kyra Lewis. So that starts a domino too. So I'm just saying, that's all, that's all I'm saying today. That's all. Cool. I think we've exhausted this one, huh? Move on next trade. All right, uh, I'll hit. My, okay, I'll hit my I was gonna say you Kevin's last. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so you know the ones that I got were Portland and Sacramento, um, and Sacramento is the, to me is the least likely because of the De'Aaron Fox contract. Um, it's it's a really big number. I think people don't realize that, that, that he's getting thirty million dollars a year for an extended period of time. And that means he's going to be your number one or number two player on the roster. And the fact that Sacramento, in my opinion, is going to ask for an all-star in return if they're giving up De'Aaron Fox. So that means they're going to want either Zion or Ingram in return. If you take back Ingram, it makes the money work a lot easier. But if you take Zion, then you've got to do Zion, Sato, You've got to throw in Hayes. You've got to throw in, um, you know, more players and picks to get this, to get it all to work. So to me, it it doesn't make a lot of sense because you probably have to take back, let's say De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, or De'Aaron Fox, Tristan Thompson, and then give up Zion and these pieces because the only other way financially you're going to make it work is if it's Ingram and some pieces and I don't think you're going to give up Ingram at this point. So to no. me, Sacramento's a non-starter um, as far as De'Aaron Fox goes. There, there's not a way to make it an intelligent deal. There's a way to get him, but there, to me, there's not a way to make De'Aaron Fox a deal that makes sense. Exactly. I mean, and I'll, I'll just say you would have to at least move one of Josh Hart or Valanciunas. Of course, Graham probably goes and of course the kings have to want these guys yes um so i just don't see it and i don't ever foresee if you're adding fox to an ingram zion that i don't believe in that threesome i don't think the fox would agree to be a third uh the third guy on the totem pole no, um, I think and i also don't think he's role. worthy maybe of being a guy that's you know worth spending a whole lot on i mean let's face it his career has really kind of plateaued his three-point shooting's never been worse. Um, mm-hmm. There's questions about his character, his locker room habits, all defender. sorts of stuff. And that's the guy you want to bring in when you've actually finally made inroads on establishing something regarding to your culture here. I, yeah. I just don't see it at all either. No, I agree. I mean, I feel like a guy that's making that much money needs to be a leader on the team, and I don't yeah. feel like he's like a great leader. Uh, also, I feel like he's gotten worse every year. Uh, so over the last two years and um, I mean like if you were adding him and he cost 
20 million dollars and it was easy to get to with Sadoransky and and Devontae Graham and you can make that move sure but I just feel like it's with the money and with these other sort of red flags around him I I don't think it's a move that's worth making honestly uh, for no, me he's not. just not yeah for me he's just not a fit right it's it's just not a it's just not a on court fit now it's one of those things where yeah he would still upgrade you know it's 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 kind of crazy to say he's not a fit because he would definitely upgrade uh, right. what the Pels have in terms of their guard so it's not so I do acknowledge that he would be upgrade over what they have but long term if you're trying to actually build something that makes sense he doesn't make sense and it's a it's a type of deal that the Pels have made in the past that didn't make sense, but it was mm-hmm. a guy who had talent, more talent than what they had at the time. So they just took it because it's what they could get. But ultimately, right. that just doesn't work slower than what you were already doing, right? You end up in the same spot. It just takes longer to get there. So um, so I, I'm a no for him, but, you know, he's a really good player. Um, so yeah. for Portland, um, obviously the target then would be C.J. McCollum, and so the package would be CJ and uh, Larry Nance Jr., but you'd have to give up Jonas, Jackson, Nikhil, Sato, and uh, Pick. I feel like um, I, I would say I, I like CJ a lot. Um, I just uh, I just feel like you could either get you, – you could be a little bit more patient, get into the offseason and get a better playmaker in the offseason and maybe add just a, a slightly better shooter in this season now to help you out. Um, that wouldn't cost you Jonas. Um, I don't know that if you're adding – CJ, but subtracting Jonas, if you're getting that much better or even better at all, I'm just so happy with the front line and how we have Herb, Jonas, BI, and Hart, guys that you want on your team and they want to be here and they're all bought in, they're culture guys and they're creating the culture within the locker room. I don't know if I want to break, I want to try to keep those guys together and build around that. And I don't know if taking an all-star center who can also stretch the floor uh, off to add CJ when I could probably buy low on like a Buddy Heald or uh, maybe even like a Duncan Robinson or or somebody else like that in the offseason or maybe even this season without uh, having to get rid of these key parts of our team. Um, so I, I, I really like CJ. And I think he would be amazing fit on this team, especially long-term if Zion is back in the picture. Uh, but I don't know if, if, if I want to, if I want to do all that just to get him. And I do like Nance as well too. Yeah, the, I, I agree. I mean, I, I told you guys, I didn't like the way ha- having to look for these deals because I think the opportunity costs are too much. And I think, you know, as Jamal said, yes, the Pelicans cannot be choosy when it comes to talent itself. You know, we understand there is a severe talent deficiency. We know that there are only five viable NBA players, as we talked about from the outset, that you want to hold on to really on this roster. But at the same time, you can't pay the wrong price to get more talent. And you can't just grab talent indiscriminately. And so that's that's why I don't like in-season deals in this regard. Um, you know, as you said, Kevin, it's – you're paying, you have to pay a premium in season for things. Yeah. And you may be able to get a better deal in the off season. And I don't know if it does uh, make the Pelicans again uh, in the race to get from 12th to 10th is what we're ultimately talking about here. Right. I don't know if it's, if it's worth making that move. Ali, you got any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, if Portland's trading off CJ, then they're going to want to either retool around Damian Lillard and then the package that you're sending to them. That's not enough. I, I just don't see it, right? They, they still seem like they're going to be roughly in the same place in the Western Conference, despite the fact that, you know, we like Valanciunas and maybe a few others. That would require, honestly, for this to work, would be Ingram going there. But, of course, now 
Ingram is, I think, sitting much higher on the totem pole than McCollum. So it's a non-starter there. So mm-hmm. it's just hard to find a deal. And then you've I got mean, to consider this. If we can somehow, what? of course, rely on Zion still wanting to be here. And then you've got B.I. So CJ's your third guy. And then next year he's making $33 million, then 35 the following year. How are you filling out the rest of your roster? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I just I see way more questions. I'm 100% with Kevin. If you want that three-point shooter that can maybe handle the rock some, Look elsewhere. If you just want the shooting, I agree with you. Buddy Heald might be – it feels like a better option. But CJ by himself, where we are now today, nah, it's just hard to see it. Even though I love the two guys. Just make sure – I just want people to make sure that you understand I am not proposing these deals. I'm saying these are the people that people have asked about, and this is what we would take. So I don't want nobody thinking that I really think that that's the price they should pay. Yeah, I would say that Norm Powell would make more sense if you're making a Portland trade because it'd be easier yeah. to get to. Portland would want less money, and he would still fit with this team both ways. He's not obviously not as dynamic as C.J. McCollum, but he's a solid perimeter defender, a solid shooter, got a little bit of a handle. Um, so I think that would be more but of the direction. who are you giving up that it's not redundant? Um, because you can't have Josh Hart and Norm Powell. It, it, to me, like that feels odd. You don't think so with Josh Hart moving more to the bench role? And then, One of um, your guards has to go in exchange. Yeah. No, well, I, I, well, I, mean, I think they can coexist. Who, but you know, one of your guards like, has talk to about, go. We talked about the Pelicans don't have any guards. Like, so adding, just adding Powell to what they already have in the backcourt, I think it would be fine. Um, roles would change, definitely. But but I do get your point. They are just like a lot of the same guys. Somebody has to, like somebody in the because the because then you have if you're paying if you're playing Pilot twenty million plus he's playing twenty five to twenty eight minutes a night Hart's playing twenty eight to thirty minutes a night if you if you've retained Graham he's playing twenty eight minutes a night so Nikhil or and Kyra become the odd man out both either one or both of them have to go or you're yeah, sending Devontae no. back to Portland well yeah yeah. You'll have to go and get better. I mean, I mean, for me, uh, CJ. I, I mean, I, I think whenever he becomes a lead guard for whether it's the Pels or some other team, he's going to be amazing. Uh, but for the Pels specifically, like Ali mentioned, I think that's you know two steps forward and two steps back if you have to trade Jonas, right? Because now you have to fill a giant hole in the middle. Your defense falls apart, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, from that perspective, if that's what you have to give up. It doesn't make sense. But like the number one reason is I don't think Portland is actually going to trade him in season, right? It's just like, you know, I mean, he's not the level of Anthony Davis, but it's just like uh, with the Anthony Davis situation where, okay, it becomes maybe a little obvious that, you know, it's time to move on. But we're not going to do it right now because we're in distress. You know, he's injured right now, not playing at the moment. Um, so there's just a lot of reasons not to. There's you know, we're not certain about the you know management situation in Portland, like if everybody's going to keep their job. Do you want this GM to make that decision if they are going to trade TJ and Dane? Um, the, even the ownership situation is in flux, right? Which, mm-hmm. so, I, I, so everything about that says, if I'm a Portland, looking at it from the Portland perspective, says, yeah, let's wait till the offseason where we can figure all of our stuff out and then we make this huge trade because these two guys, that's all they have to, to restart their, their franchise moving forward. Yeah, what I, what I think, too, is like CJ, um, uh, De'Aaron Fox are kind of on hold because I think what you're looking at is Maury is waiting to see if in the offseason if he can work out a sign-in trade to get uh, Harden for Simmons. And if that falls apart, those are his two plan Bs. And I think those teams – know that um so they're hanging on to that hoping they can get into the ben simmons uh lotto this off season one thing i just wanted to say real quick is i don't mind the thought of norman powell because he would fit so neatly in the pelicans trade exception right for steven adams that they have so you don't have Mm -hmm. to send out anybody to make salaries work right in this instance what it comes down to is what does portland want for assets and the only way that's going to happen is if they're i think wanting just to blow it up Right, because the Pelicans don't have a young player that they'd be interested in, thinking right. maybe he's going to fit alongside Damian Lillard. So that's all about just strictly if they're going to go ahead and go through a rebuild coming up, and they decide on that before the trade deadline. Yep. 
that's Kevin? A, that's a perfect segue into my trade, actually. Um, so my trade, you guys make your shanks, pull out your bolos, your nunchucks, break a beer bottle, all that stuff, because I'm trading Zion. And I'm trading Zion Williamson, Thomas Sadoransky, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, and four first-round picks. The reason why I'm doing this is because I don't feel Zion is bought in and it will be here long-term. And from the Thunder perspective, this is the reason you get all those picks. So you can go grab that superstar, even if there's some risk involved. And even with just them giving up four first-round picks, they have still a ton of other picks and they can't spend them all. So, and it also tells uh, SGA, look, we, we are ready to start winning now because you add Zion, SGA, you got your two building blocks. Then you could also use some of those other picks, the package, get uh, maybe another star or just fill out with good role players. So there's a clear path for them to be a winning team again if everything works out with Zion and if he's healthy. For the Pelicans, um, imagine you're a perimeter player. You come to play New Orleans. They assign Herb Jones to you. You're, you're just having the worst night of your life. Finally, he checks out. Who's set to check in? Lou Dort. You can just ruin a guy's entire night um, with with those two players. I feel like Josh Giddy is a star in the making. I don't know. I don't think he's a superstar like Zion Williamson will be. I think he will make all star games. Uh, I think he'll be one of the top guards in the West, point guards in the Western Conference. I see a lot of Lamelo Ball in him if he could ever develop an outside shot, which you know obviously we have one of the best uh, shooting coaches in the league. Um, then he can maybe even elevate past that. Um, and, but the thing that I really like about this trade is that it also is an unbalanced trade where the Pelicans are now opening up $16.2 million. And you have these four first round picks. So you could go to teams like the Pacers, like, like the trailblazers um, and or even Toronto or whoever that you can offer these picks and you, they don't have to take back any bad salary, any players they don't want, because you can then, you know, build into this trade, expand this trade out into a three teamer, or you can hold on to that. And then that's a trade exception again next year. So then you have two 16 plus million dollar trade exceptions to add players. And you have these four gifted first round picks to use as currency to, to fill those, trade exceptions up with players. You could get your shooting guard. You can get your backup for a uh, small ball five guy. You know, you could get a Karis LeVert. You could get Derek White. You could maybe get a Terry Rozier. You can add a little bit more salary into this trade and maybe get CJ McCollum with first round picks. You could get Norm, Norm Powell. You can get Buddy Heald. You know, you could get TJ McConnell. Uh, guys like that that are getting sold, possibly getting sold off. Brandon Clark. Harrison Barnes you can maybe even get a John Collins um so I feel like it it keeps those culture pieces in together it answers the point guard question of the future for you you have your point guard you're locked in he's a big guard who has uh he can rebound he makes incredible passes he's a great playmaker he's unselfish hopefully he can develop a shot for you then you add just this other terrorizing defender on the perimeter that's going to be a perfect fit for Willie green and what he's done and, and to play to like share the role with herb or sometimes even have him on the court at the same time, just giving people nightmares defensively. Um, so that's my trade. I don't know what you guys think about it. Ali, I'll let you go first. I think I like the thought of it. Like if I was maybe playing 2k, honestly, or something where, I can go ahead and let my franchise run for a good three, four years. But for the now, and that's your only return on Zion, you're suddenly got nobody coming back off for offensive purposes, right? Or having even a trust that there's even going to be a star. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Kevin. I have high hopes for Josh Giddy too. But it's not nearly enough of a return for a team, a Pelicans team that's kind of built to win now. If you look at B.I., right, Valentinus, and the rest of the guys, and suddenly – you got Giddy's going to take a couple more years before he gets to where he's kind of going to be, right? And Dort, yeah, we see flashes from him offensively, but to me, he's just 
kind of a guy on a really good team. So those four picks you're getting back, yeah, you can turn it maybe into something like you were just saying, right? Especially with the cap space the Pels would have. But I, I just feel like that's just too secure, securitous of a route um, when you're just dealing Zion. So, yeah, that honestly, I, that would be a non-starter for me if I'm David Griffin. Jamal? Um, I, I I might do that deal, right? I might do that deal. It depends on how you feel about Giddy, but I mean, he has been he has been you know pretty good, better than I thought he would be off of that. Um, so, but I I do agree with Ali. It's a little for Zion. It's a little underwhelming, even though I know he's distressed and I mean he hasn't played you know in forever. Uh, so you know there is that, uh, but. On the other hand, like I know Dort, even if Dort never really develops um, offensively, you know, some, you know, having the ability to just completely lock down somebody's uh, offense, I mean, that might be worth it in certain in, in a certain sense. Uh, but if they already have Herb good. Jones, doesn't that change your thinking some too? Well, it does, but it's kind of like leaning into a strength. You know, if you have a strength, then just double down on it. You know, so. There's no, so there's just no, there's no you go full you know, three minutes on the court. Yeah, but somebody's yeah, still got to put the ball through the hoop, guys, right? I don't know. Know. No, yeah. Ali, I hear what you're saying. I, I think what, if I, if I may, and y'all tell me if I'm, if I'm reading it incorrectly, what Jamal is saying and what Kevin is saying, and I think what we're all saying, and I, even what you see, Ali, is that Kevin's, it, it would not be the end, is what he's saying. Oh, the flexibility right. for sure. is, for sure. is to address yeah. those other pieces. And I get why you would say it would be a non-starter from jump. I I absolutely see that. Um, and I get what Kevin is saying too is that yeah, you you make the move because look, you got you you can't wait around for him anymore, and and you want to make the move. So I think it's it's it is a realistic move in the sense that it works. Um, it is a difficult move to sell because of the names involved, mm-hmm. but it is a very good. Basketball. Yeah, I said, this like, trade could look amazing in a few years. But it's a ba- it's a great basketball trade. It's I don't know if David Griffin is the guy who could make this trade work and sell it and then be trusted to do the rest. Like that's the problem for me is that Griff would fuck up the follow up. National media yeah. would destroy him. Go ahead, Kev. I just know for this let trade, let my God, national this. media will kill him. What if it was instead of four first round picks? What if it was six? Like, I mean, Oklahoma City has so many picks that they can't use. They could just throw whatever at you, and then you can just crazy overpay to get whatever other two players you want to fit into those exceptions or to add a little bit more salary to this exact trade to, to get, you know, C, you could get CJ McCollum uh, to go with this. You could get, you know, like I'm saying, there's roots to get those things, and you could get, you could crazy overpay for them, in the sense that it's you're giving up what many people would say with too many assets and a vacuum for that player. But when you look at the totality of how the team is built now, because you already have that front line you're happy with, you already have Josh Hart, you can maybe even keep like Devontae Graham and shift him into his other role, depending on if you need to add salary to this current trade right now. But I just feel like it gives you so much ammunition to fill all the holes and build so much depth that, uh, you know, if if you think Brandon Ingram, because one thing we, we don't talk about enough is Brandon Ingram is the leader of this team now. Mm-hmm. And what is that like when Zion comes back? You know what I mean? Because you could build this team around around Brandon Ingram where he's your star, where he's the focal point and every all the other pieces revolve around him. And it makes sense. Now, Zion, you know, we really don't know what's going on with him. He's a total enigma in terms of what he thinks. I feel like he's heavily disconnected from this team and this culture. I feel like we have a basketball team and we have a Zion. And those things aren't intersecting. And if they were to intersect and work out, our ceiling would be much higher, of course. But I just... I just don't see it ever working out, especially like we talked, like I talked about a lot on the last pod, whereas you see these constant moving timelines with an injury. I've never seen a guy not get frustrated and lose trust in an organization, even if it's his fault, no one's fault, whatever. Mm-hmm. I just never seen this, this situation we're in ever work out. 
So I, I just feel like it's, it's kind of irreparable. And so I look at this as a way to just dive into the culture that we have established now and make that work and have all the ammunition in the world. Because once you sign Zion to an extension and he wants to trade, then things like this are a little bit harder because the salaries are higher right now. Like this, this trade, you're only taking back like, uh, like $9 million and you're giving out 23 because of this cap situation in uh, Oklahoma city. It's just like the perfect storm of being able to clear cap space and add real quality around something that you already have. That seems very special. The only way, Kevin, I could just see it happening is like the reason I called it 2K is not to belittle you one bit. No, no, it's, I get yeah. it. I understand. Yeah, what it's, you're it's just simply that you would need to have that other domino ready to go. Whether it's say it's a Damian Lillard, right? Because Portland probably, if they're rebuilding, my God, they would love that treasure trove of assets, right, from OKC or whatever other team that where you're landing the star from. Maybe Boston, right? If Brown or Tatum, yeah, they want to. Jalen Brown's on the list too for me. You know, like those okay. are things that are real possibilities. Yeah, but that's the reason I call 2K because everything then has to work out for in order you to realize your value for Zion and see out your vision. And how often do, you know, loading up, a team loading up with picks ever work out? Never worked out for Boston, right? What it hasn't worked out for a lot of the teams. And, and it, I, I just feel, like I said, it's too scary of a situation for New Orleans where David Griffin can't say no or say yes. Well, that's what why we, these are all swing. These, like we said, these are swing for the fence ideas. They are yeah. all yeah. highly improbable. I love Kevin's um, idea though. I'm telling you, and I love the players involved. But yeah, the foundation of Kevin's idea is sound. Like there's nothing unsound about it. It to is me, a strategic. Yeah, he's right move. about the culture too. Guys fitting into yeah, Willie. Yeah, yeah, I don't see anything yeah. wrong with it at all. Get me in that My goodness. Yeah. But to me, though, it's like this. David it's like Griffin. if you have if you have a list of six guards that you're interested in and you have, say, like six. I think most of us agree that guard and uh, like power forward, well, small five, ball, yeah. five are the two. Biggest I'd say a couple players. guards, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if yeah. you have a list of like six guys at guard and like six guys at at uh at the, that four or five spot and you have four to five, six, maybe first round picks that you're willing to throw out there to get them. And you have this much money to work with and the teams that you're making the trades with don't need to take on any bad contracts. But you, you're selling like, us, Kevin. We, 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 you don't have to sell us no well, more. Well, I'm man. just saying, I feel like that, that is, you're going to, you can't fuck it up almost. You're going to come yeah, away yeah, you with, can, you with can one fuck of it those up. guys. You can fuck it up. Like, like this is this professional sports. Look, a team, we've seen teams fuck up everything, every which way possible that, that fortune should have landed in their hands, and we've seen teams blow it. So to say it's uh, – there is no such thing that is that – Yeah, is for me, here, here's one that you've got to mention right off the bat. When you go this route, you're entrusting B.I. to be a number one, and I don't think he's proven he's a true number one in the NBA yet. He's shown signs, but I don't know if he'll get there, right? To I don't know if – yeah, I still don't know every if he's the best night. guy on a championship Yeah, that's what I mean. There's so many check marks you got to go through if you're going to make B.I. your number but one. I, I don't trust Griff to make those decisions. But let me ask like, you this too. It's not so much that I disagree with you about B.I. because I think he is stepping up to that role, but do you see that with Zion? I don't know. I don't know. So, so then then what's the what's the big problem there? Because maybe you can because, get the number one. Well, because Zion has carried a team like a number one more consistently yeah. than B.I. has to me at a much what younger age. To what? Like, what did he, he didn't carry? didn't anything with him. I don't know. Well, like, I didn't mean carry them to wins. Me. I meant where he was the leading offensive attack, and he was such a focal point that he still put up thirty points on efficient scoring. I mean, that's a highlight. I mean, that's the goal, okay. right? To have I a guy like that. Wrong. We were talking about two different things. Okay. Yeah. But uh, well, ultimately, you know, I think that there will not be a big move, and I think uh, do you guys agree that there won't be a as far as that type of all star level return coming during the season? Are we in agreement on that? Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, feel the like... the only one that's know. impossible, right, guys, that's, tell me if I'm wrong, is maybe Levert, right, because of his contract, it's workable. Right. right. Yeah, that's the only one that I really do think, because there's so many teams that are still in, in the same range that are all fighting for the play-in, it's going to yeah. make it too hard. They have better assets. They right. have just ultimately better deals. Um, 
Yeah, Jamal, you want to wrap? You got something to say? Well, I was just going to say, I also just don't think this is a good time for them to make a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, just with how everything is played out, um, it's just not a good time. I mean, if you want to make a small deal that doesn't factor in long-term, fine. But it's just they're playing well. They're building something. It's okay that they have deficiencies. We knew that coming in. Uh, we knew they weren't going to be a contender or maybe even a playoff team coming in. Let this group just play this out and figure out what the hell is going on in the offseason, what's going on with uh, mm-hmm. and everything else, and then you can make a, probably a better move. So that's just my concern. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what we all sit is that ultimately the best moves to be made for this team are in the offseason when you have some more questions answered, um, particularly with some of the young guys too on the bench. That again, it's not this is the way of the NBA. The way of the NBA is that annually six to seven guys on your roster are gonna turn over. So don't get don't think that that all 15 of these players will be back next year. Don't think that eight of them will be back next year. I would imagine many of them will be gone. Um, once this offseason hits, because that's just the way the game goes, and the Pelicans cannot afford to be stagnant. We will be back um, to talk about some of those more targeted uh, deals that work around the fringes to make this a better and more complete team to at least get into that 10th spot, and we'll do that later this week. Um, but until then, for Kevin Barrios, for Jamal Dunn, and Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb, and this has been The Bird Calls, and in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, Let's go, Pels. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.